Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I should say welcome back. We are continuing the conversation with our incredible surrogate, Ashley Chastine. Last week, if you didn't get a chance to watch, we talked about our journey and a lot of it was from her perspective and her side of things and how we went on this journey together to bring Scott and my kids into the world, Silas and Sanders, for those of you who know. And this episode, we are really going to dive into how to become a surrogate, the ins and outs, because there are so many people who have reached out to me talking about they wanted to be a surrogate or they think they want to have a surrogate for their relationship to bring their children into the world. And so hopefully this episode answers a lot of questions for you. And we're also going to talk about how Ashley could possibly help you be a surrogate. So get ready to trust and believe. This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Ashley, we are going to continue this conversation. First and foremost, I want to know, I know you started a new job. Everyone heard about us talking about how you were at Fort Worth Fertility. Can you first tell me where you work now and what do you do? I am working at Same Love Surrogacy and I am a surrogate coordinator now. All right, Ashley, so what are, would you say the top five things that women need to know before they become a surrogate? There are requirements to be a surrogate. So the most important one is that you have had a normal, successful pregnancy and delivery without complications. You can't be a surrogate unless you've had your own child and that you're raising that child. We really encourage you to be done building your own family in the in the event that something was going to happen during your surrogate journey that would prevent you from having children in the future. It's encouraged, but it's not required. Can be a smoker, no drugs. You need to be open to travel. So my agency is based in California. I'm here in Texas. So girls that I help become a surrogate in Texas or the surrounding states, they will fly to California twice to see the IVF doctors there. So can you kind of walk a surrogate through 
the medical process of how to become a surrogate. The IVF doctors are going to put you on hormones. I don't like the word hormones because people think automatically, oh my gosh, something's about going to happen because you're giving me hormones. But the hormones that are given to you are the same hormones that your body is making every month on its own. So estrogen and progesterone, it's going to mimic your normal cycle. So when you are developing an egg for that month, that's going to release your estrogen levels are increasing. So you're taking some form of estrogen, whether it's oral medication, you could do patches, injectable, whatever route that IVF doctor wants you to do. You'll take the estrogen for about two weeks and then you start uh, the hormone progesterone. Progesterone is mimicking your ovulation, so to say, but your body is not actually ovulating. The spike in progesterone is what's going to make the uterine lining receptive so that the embryos can... Wow. And so what are some of the things that women feel maybe negative effects that they could possibly feel while they're going through the process if, you know, so they could kind of prepare for that? I mean, you are giving yourself daily injections in your hymen. But gets a little sore. Estrogen is actually the feel-good hormone. So I don't get too many complaints and I didn't have any negative side effects from taking estrogen. The progesterone, again, that's that hormone that increases when you're ovulating where you kind of feel bloated and just blah. So some women do get those feelings, the sore breasts, things of that nature from the progesterone shots, but nothing worse than a bad period. So they get the progesterone. They're basically tricking their body into being pregnant And then let's talk about transfer day. You know, they come in. What are the different types of transfers that you can do when you are a surrogate? Gestational surrogacy is not biologically related to you at all. So that has to be done in an IVF lab. The embryos are created outside the body and put back into a third party person. So uh, embryo transfer, it's easy, it's quick, it's less than a pap smear. You go into, the worst part of it was having a full bladder. I mean, I didn't have a full bladder. Dr. Kaufman won't let me live that down. But you have a full bladder so that you can see on an abdominal ultrasound, the embryos go in. Quick, easy, painless. I think a lot of times it sounds really fun to be a surrogate. And I know for you, it was a good experience. But when they realize they have to take shots and there's a bunch of medical screenings and, you know, like you said, I love that you said it's less than a pap smear. People could maybe not prepare for that. And I think that that knowing that first kind of like the medical process is really helpful. Now, let's talk about what you help people do, because I know obviously you place surrogates with families. Can you kind of just run us through the process? If I were to call you and say, hey, I'm really interested in being a surrogate, what is my process like leading up to that medical, those medical procedures? Well, my favorite part about working with Same Love Surrogacy is my surrogates have one contact throughout their entire 
process from the time. So the first step is filling out an application. They're going to fill out that application on, on our website and that comes straight to me. And then I give them a call. Usually that day I'll pick up the phone they have, depending on where they're at, you know, Texas area code, I end up having to leave a message, but they call right back because they're interested. We have a phone conversation. That phone conversation takes about 30 to 40 minutes and I'm going into detail describing the, what the process is going to look like in that time period. The next step would be to obtaining all of their medical records so that I can review them and have them ready for the IVF doctor so that whenever we're ready to get to that medical screening portion, all of it's out of the way. Once I have all of their records and they are qualified, we'll do a Zoom video call. And that is my opportunity to really prepare them for their next steps. Going through a psychological evaluation, they're going to be asked questions a lot of what, what if questions like what if you have to have a termination or what if you end up with three babies instead of one all of the questions or you need extra testing amniocentesis or whatever the case may be I want them to be prepared to have those answers when they're speaking to the psychologists so that they're ready and prepared. So during the Zoom, we're going to talk about the psychological evaluation. We're going to talk about going over the background checks. And then now we're ready to match. So during my Zoom, I'm going to ask them or pry out of them everything that they are looking for in an intended parent. Some women enjoy having, you know, the intended parent's along with them on this journey and others prefer the more transactional type and they're like I have a very busy lifestyle I have a work or you know I have a job I have children I can do my own thing I know how to grow a baby I don't need you asking what I ate for breakfast lunch and dinner so (laughs) they want the more transactional side and I think that that's fine there are some cultures that prefer that as well so I know that's going to be a really good match once we've completed our zoom call now we're ready for the matching process so what my team does is we get together once a week and we talk about all the available surrogates and we talk about all the available intended parents and then we start doing kind of like an online dating matchmaking So we'll kind of between ourselves decide or see who we think would be a good fit. You know, I know the surrogate really well. The intended parent coordinator knows them very well. And then we share their profiles with each other. If they feel it's going to be a good match, then we'll set up a Zoom match call. That gives them an opportunity to talk, get any questions out of the way and decide if they would like to move forward with the match. Kind of reliving my journey, and I'm like, that's not kind of the experience we had. (laughs) It was just always so different, except because, you know, we, Scott and I, I think our first surrogate, it was just more of like, you know, our doctor knew someone, and then our second surrogate was our sister-in-law. So we didn't have someone like you to really kind of help set that up. And then when we did go that route I think the third time Scott ended up not enjoying it as much because the person did not 
it wasn't as fun as you. It was all mostly paperwork, and you didn't really, you didn't get that Zoom call. I mean, we were the intended parent side, so obviously it's a little bit different. We were not transactional <laughs> intended parents. We wanted to be a part of the process. So I just want to kind of talk about that speed dating, if you will. What are some of the characteristics? I heard you say culture before, but what are some of the characteristics that you look at in a surrogate and you're like, oh, these would be good for these intended parents? Is it is it something that they answered in a questionnaire or is it their personalities? How do you figure that out? A little bit of both. So in their in both the surrogate's profile and intended profile parent profile, they list things that they're looking for in a surrogate or in an intended parent. But also we're looking at what do they like to do? What are their hobbies? Are they a type A personality? Is that going to go over well with this super calm, laid back surrogate? We're looking at the whole picture. And at the end of the day, I mean, I would say we're, we're actually pretty good at it. We don't have very many that don't move forward. But at the end of the day, it is up completely up to the surrogate and the intended parent and how they feel their match call went. And they are the ones making the decision if this is going to be a good match for them. You mentioned BMI, and so that was one of the things that we ran into with that particular surrogate. And I was just kind of really frustrated because someone as a health professional, I'm like, I know somebody whose BMI is higher than someone else's BMI, and they're way healthier And, you know, this woman ended up not being able to be our surrogate because of endometriosis, I believe. But it was, you know, one of the things that was a red flag for her from a doctor was her BMI. Why does BMI matter so much? And how do you kind of relay that to a surrogate who, you know, is really passionate and excited about her journey? Higher BMI can impact the pregnancy rate. The higher the BMI, it could lower your chances of getting pregnant. The studies show the ASRM guidelines. And when you have someone who's going to be a surrogate, you're looking for that picture perfect person that is going to be the healthiest to be able to carry a a child for somebody else. Interesting. These people were matched. Let's talk money. Because I think there are a lot of people out there that are asking themselves, how much am I getting paid for bringing a child or children, and by the case of me and Scott with having twins, into the world? You know, how do you determine how much money a surrogate is going to get? Is it a negotiation process? How does that work? So we have a surrogate's benefit package that I share with the girls after my initial call. And that's going to lay out their base compensation, our agency The base compensation for a first-time surrogate is $50,000, and then a proven, like it goes up from there, whether it's proven or they have twins, or if they've done it a few times, they'll put their own, what they would prefer for Mm -hmm. their compensation, but we have a set surrogates benefit package for a first-time surrogate and for a proven surrogate, and that is what we share with them. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Does a surrogate not get paid until she delivers the baby? Does she get paid along the way? Because I'm thinking that what if someone was, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest. In our case, we've had, you know, I don't want to say failed pregnancies, but pregnancies that didn't go full term. So how do you deal with someone who may have carried for six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks? And it just, you know, unfortunately wasn't able to go full term. How do how do you manage that type of compensation? So the compensation um, is not going to start until legal contracts are signed. So there is that portion from the time that you have the match meeting to go to medical screening. Now, all of the fees that are included or all of the fees that are needed for the medical screening are paid for on their behalf. I'm booking their travel. I'm booking a hotel if that's needed. The intended parents are paying the IVF clinic directly. So they are not coming out of pocket for anything. It's just their time to go to the medical screening. Once you have the medical screening from the IVF doctor is when we're going to move on to your contract phase. Once you sign your legal contracts, the surrogates are going to get an initial payment of $3,000 paid within 10 days of their contracts being signed. And that's going to start their monthly non-accountable allowance. So they're going to get this set amount every month until the end of their, until they deliver. Once and there's fees that are that come along the way. So that fifty thousand dollars is just the base. They're going to get paid for starting medications. There's a fee for completing the transfer. Then there's another fee that is paid to the surrogate once they've had two blood pregnancy tests. Then your monthly payments. So you got your initial three thousand in the you know in the beginning when contracts were signed. Once you hear a heartbeat and confirm viability of that pregnancy is when the $4,700 will come monthly for you. That payment will come until you deliver. Your legal contract will list what happens if that pregnancy doesn't make it to a certain stage. So if you deliver early and the baby doesn't make it, then the compensation stops there. If you deliver early and the baby does make it, then you're entitled to the full compensation. So the nitty gritty of the contracts are, you know, figured out between the surrogate and the intended parent during the contract phase, but there's going to be a solution to anything and everything that could ever come up in a journey. I'm actually learning more today about that than I did before because Scott was the one that handled contracts. I tell everyone all the time. I was the one that was forming a relationship. So Scott probably could answer these questions for a lot of people. But I just think it's important because, one, from the surrogate standpoint, you know, you realize you're literally getting paid. I remember there was something in a contract on our journey along the way where Scott was like, oh, we have to pay for maternity clothes and we have to pay per diem when they do travel. It was like all these little things that we were, 
I would say coming out of pocket for it, but at the end of the day, of course we would come out of pocket for it. But there are people out there who want to have a surrogate and they're like, oh, I might have this $50,000 base so I can save up for that. However, there are all these other fees that you have to pay. So it's really important for people who want to have a surrogate to know all of the financial responsibilities that comes with it. And from someone who has done this, had done it, what are you, you were the fifth surrogate for us? I mean, it is, I mean, for us, it was obviously pricey because we had to do it so many times. But there was one time, because I believe, I'm not sure if the law is the same, but in New Jersey, we weren't allowed to pay Nicole, our sister-in-law, because in New Jersey, I don't think surrogates could get, get paid. I don't know how that works. I now. think that recently you, just changed. Yeah, I was going to say, how many states out there do you know of where this surrogate can't get paid? How do they go about doing that? If they're like, well, I want to do this for work. Do they have to move? <laughs> how do they still get paid for it? If they're willing to move their family to do surrogates, I mean, she's committed. That that That's a commitment. To move your entire family to another state, to do surrogacy is wild. But I'm not sure how many states off the top of my head. There's a handful of them. And there's a few ways around it. And I say a few ways around it is they're reim- they're reimbursed. They're not being compensated. So, you know, they're reimbursed rent because they're, they're pregnant with someone else living in that house or however the wording is. Mm-hmm. There is still some sort of transaction involved, but worded differently or they're only reimbursed for things for that pregnancy. I mean, we didn't pay Nicole for the time she spent being our surrogate, but we definitely hooked her up with some fun gifts, if you will. You know what I mean? Because I just find it to be a little bit crazy for someone to have your baby and you not pay them. I mean, it sounds weird to be like, hey, I'm paying you to have my baby anyway. But when they actually do do it and you go down that journey, you see the effort and energy and emotion and physicality that they put into that. It must be really tough. Okay. What are some things that you have seen or heard surrogates do and you're like, listen, this is not a good situation and I probably wouldn't want to get involved. I probably wouldn't want you to do this if you were my surrogate. A few of those things are simple vaping. Let, let's start there. So the they know it, it's laid out in our initial call. You cannot smoke. That's cigarettes, vaping, marijuana. Don't do drugs, alcohol. The IVF doctor is testing them for this at their medical screening. And I stress it. I stress it. And they go to medical screening and marijuana is positive or their nicotine is positive. And they're like, well, I don't smoke. I was just around somebody who smokes. Be honest. Just be honest. We know it's out there. We know marijuana is legal in a lot of states now. It just cannot be a part of your surrogacy process. Don't just don't do it. And And if you do do it and slip up, you have to be honest because transparency is key. Does the fertility doctor continue to test for those things throughout the journey? Yes. So if they come up positive during medical screening, you will have to test negative before they can give medical clearance. But once you kind of put that thought in their head that, oh, this has happened before, they're going to spot test you. Random 
whenever they want. What happens? Let's say you did have a surrogate. The the pregnancy's going well. The baby is growing, but she does test positive for one of these drinking or smoking. How do you move forward with that? Does it? Does she get? money docked from her pay you know how does that work it would be considered a breach of contract and depending on the severity of the situation you're gonna refer back to that legal contract and what ramifications are gonna come from that breach i'm just gonna say this to the camera if you are surrogate or even if you're an intended parent Communication, like Ashley said, transparency is key and communication is key. And and don't do that because it's such a highly emotional journey that you're on. Because as someone who was an intended parent many times over, the intended parents, a lot of times, if they have never had a kid and this is their first time just even being pregnant or if they couldn't be get pregnant because of the husband or wife because of the sperm or the egg and this time just happened to be a miracle chance that it worked their emotions are so high not to say that everyone else's emotions isn't high if they've had kids before and you know this is their 10th one but it's it's so emotionally draining that both the intended parent and the surrogate respecting that contract respecting each other especially when it comes to vaping or drugs alcohol like that goes a really long way and just the communication you had i think one of the things that we had ashley is we you and i i mean scott had obviously you had a relationship with him first but we were definitely the keep it real type and we didn't have a transactional we didn't have a transactional journey we had a well it was transactional it was loving and, (laughs) and family oriented so i just wanted to say that to people out there because that is a very stressful thing if you're super stressed and someone's like you don't trust each other in the process so I just think that that's really important so Ashley tell me how much you actually want to know why you went from being a third party coordinator to now placing surrogates what was the transition why did you want to change careers and how do you think it's benefiting your quality of life. When my brother passed away about a year ago, I started to look at my life a little differently. So I wanted to make the change just to be more present for my family. Working in the clinic is very demanding. It's long hours. It's seven days a week. And I'm not physically here. That combined with the... The emotions I would feel or how rewarding it was to support other women after or after going through what I went through, I really wanted to focus on that part. I had a ton of support, whether it was my family, my husband, you, Scott, all of you were there for me, but there was one piece that I felt was kind of missing, and that was to be able to talk to someone who knew what I was going through. You know, I could complain about the shots all day long, but unless you're giving yourself 70 plus shots over the course of, you know, your treatment, they don't really know what that feels like or the changes that your body is going through until you've gone through it yourself. So 
That's probably my favorite thing about this agency is that every single person on our team has been through the journey themselves, whether they were a surrogate, they were an intended parent, or they were an egg donor. And so we have, we're able to closely relate to these women in such a special way and support them through their journey as if it was Jane off the street who's never been pregnant before. (laughs) I will say that I'm I'm really happy for you. I think this is the perfect career choice for you and change. I know you did a lot in the office. I know you went way above and beyond your job and you were helping in different areas of the office. But I think that you are our angel by bringing our two boys into the world. I'm sure your support for other surrogates out there have been really amazing. Ashley, thank you so much. And everybody out there. Just click the link in the show notes below. If you want to reach out to Ashley, we will be able to hook you up with her. If you are looking to become a surrogate and you have any interest in that, and if you do, God bless you <laughs> for for whatever way. we People like us really appreciate you wanting to really help people build their families. It's not something we take very lightly. Ashley, thank you again for being on the show. And I can't wait to ship the boys to you for a week so Scott and I can go on vacation. Thank you for having me and bring it on. (laughs) Thank you. And like I always say, trust and believe in who you are. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, Headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.